0: The Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Cabuno, and it is October 6th. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget, tonight at the Cortland Roller Rink, it is Adult Skate Night. I'm not sure if they have any buy one get one specials, but you might be able to find your special someone out there on four wheels. Go out there and check it out, have a good time. It's also National Kale Day. And I know a lot of people say the best way to make kale is to open up the trash and then dump it in, but if you can find a way to sneak kale past the goalie into your diet, make it taste good, maybe make it disappear with a whole bunch of other flavors, I would suggest it. High in phytonutrients. Really good in the roughage and fiber factor. It's an all around winter if you can stomach it. It is also International Walk to School Day, and that is something that would not be too difficult to pull off because right now we are sitting at about five degrees above average for our daily temperatures. The weather is absolutely fantastic outside. I know it's probably global warming, you know, it really hurts to say so. It's nice to have good weather, but it's probably not for good reasons. On the show today, we could definitely talk about a bunch of boring political stuff, but we're not going to. We could talk about the deadly game of cat and mouse that uh, Republicans and Democrats are playing with the debt ceiling. Nothing like almost defaulting on your country's debts to uh, wake everyone in the nation out of their slumber and say exactly what the hell is this limit that we have on it and why do we have it? We're essentially saying that we are not going to pay the credit card on things we have already spent money on. We uh, can talk about future spending limits on future spending, but we cannot talk about not paying our bills. So this is an absolutely irresponsible tact that the Republicans are taking and uh, the Democrats, with a little bit of cajoling from Biden, are saying that everything's on the table, even, quote unquote, the nuclear option, which means lowering the threshold for a filibuster, maybe specifically just for this, but it's a slippery slope that I know a couple of senators named Manchin and Cinema do not want to go down. So they're probably going to have to find some other way to do it, throw it in the old reconciliation package, maybe. They're saying that would take too much time. And, um, Well, that's a whole nother story. Let's just say that the debt crisis needs to be handled as quickly as possible before we get another possible downgrade, the second ever in the country's history. And we would really hope to never have a default. So we need an answer to this crisis as soon as possible. But yeah, we could also talk about the boring infrastructure and reconciliation bills. All I know is that um, one or both of them are going to get done. That's my prognostication on that one. Because you essentially have one that's in the bag but does not want to be voted on by the Progressive Caucus and when push comes to shove they're going to take a win, I hope, because it's good for everybody, both sides were able to come to the table on it so both sides are getting things out of it, Um, just really banging my head wondering why they can't take the win, Uh, and the reason being is because they want a whole lot of other stuff in the reconciliation bill. All right, I'm not going to go too deep into the woods on or into the weeds either way on this one. I just know that there are a lot of things that can probably be done on standalone um, legislation, whether you're talking about voting rights or you're talking about health care for families, whatever it may be, I know that a lot of those, independently of a giant bill, are winners, and so... The fact that they're trying to get everything done right now when you have an economy that is still sputtering because of COVID lingering. Not everybody has the stomach for that big of a price tag. So I think when you're able to come to a compromise, they said it started at 6. Mansion wants 1.5. They're at 3 right now. They're probably going to come in at 2. I think they're going to be able to get it done. I think there's actually going to be a compromise within the center and left of the Democratic Party, and it's going to come in about $2 but it's going to take a really long time and a lot of him and han before that comes to pass. We could talk about the Facebooks. The Facebooks is in the news, but you already know what you need to know. Essentially, they're doing really bad things, and the old people up on Capitol Hill want Zuckerberg to march his little curly-haired butt up there and uh, do some splaining. So that's always good for a laugh. We'll see what they're able to come up with this time. But um, definitely some real nefarious stuff going on, and it'd really be nice if they were held to task for a lot of it, but I doubt that will happen. And so for the rest of our time today, we're going to talk about the Urban Meyer situation. I don't know if you've been keeping up on this, but Old Herb is in a heap of trouble down there in Jacksonville. Now, he might have gone down there because he loves Waffle House, because that place is crawling with them. But the reality is is he went down there because he was hitching his wagon to the shooting star that is and possibly was Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick and has been number one pick coming out of Clemson for the past four years. So he finally decides to go pro and Urban is ready and waiting right there for him. This is Urban's first chance in the pros and he really doesn't know too much about losing. Every place that he's gone before in the college ranks, he has turned around from worst to first or from wherever they were at to the top of the heap in very short order. So he was pretty sure that he was gonna be able to make his stamp on this organization right from day one. Well, he did, and he did it with a couple controversial measures that uh, probably didn't win the locker room over. Number one was having a strength and conditioning coach with a questionable and possibly racist past. And number two was bringing in the totally talentless, but um, totally polarizing Tim Tebow. Apparently for motivational purposes and to see if this guy could actually compete at tight end. Obviously he couldn't, but it was something that he wanted to do because it was a former college player of his. And it was a bit of comfortability that he wanted in that locker room, but I don't know what price because... That roster spot could have went to somebody that would have made the team actually better and not just made the coach feel good. You know what I mean? But anyways, I digress. The Jaguars have started off their season 0-4. And this apparently is not sitting well with the old ball coach. Now listen, every coach who, who's worth his salt is pretty cutthroat. But a lot of them can do it with a smile on their face. If you look at, you know, the walrus Andy Reid, he's even more jovial. But I'm talking about people like Pete Carroll in Seattle, or even Ed Ogeron in the college ranks. Heck, even the stuffiest of them all, Jim Trestle. You know that that man loves screaming and yelling at people to make sure they get stuff done right. But he's also seemingly a good human, and a compassionate one at that. Same thing with Nick Saban, I hate to say it. There have been many moments where I've seen him in interviews or just talking to players on the sideline after he has totally reamed them out, where he's playing the father figure big time and, and really giving him a shoulder to lean on. But old Urban, man, I don't know. He's always struck me as a real icy dude. And so maybe to me it doesn't come as, you know, as that much of a surprise as I would see him wallowing at his own bar and restaurant after his fourth consecutive loss. To open up his first professional season. So the story is essentially that video has leaked out that some very, very young woman was grinding up on him at the bar that he owns in Columbus. He was there of course, just soaking in the fourth loss that he took in Cincinnati right down the road a couple hours prior. Should he have probably been on the flight back to Jacksonville or wherever the team was going that he coaches with the team? Yeah. I would say so. But even if he wanted to stay back and be at his own establishment for whatever reason, should he have probably not been completely tanked as he seemed to have been? Also yeah, probably. But then for me, the icing on the cake is the apology. He essentially still looked hungover, poorly shaven, looking down at his notes the whole time and extremely mumble-mouthed, it was like he got sent up there by a parent and was reading off of scripts as some kind of scolded teenager. Not a good look. And so it really leads me to wonder how much leadership does this guy have, especially in times of peril? I wonder if he's gonna be able to stick out this entire, what could be horrific, first season in the NFL. You know, Troy Aikman notoriously went like one in 15, his first season in the league. And as we all know, Jimmy Johnson went on to really great things. And we also know that coaches are on much shorter leashes nowadays, but this one, I think Urban might show himself the door. That's what it looked like while he was up there. It looked like a guy who was not having fun and did not have any plans on how he was going to right the ship in the near future. The NFL is a tough place to be. And when you're used to being the king of your own kingdom, which this guy definitely is in a lot of respects, I mean, just look at the pictures from Urban Meyer's pint house or whatever his place is called in Dublin where he was at. Absolutely throngs of people there on game day, you know, pre-COVID. Now just imagine if you are old Urb and you walk into that place, that's essentially like having, well, a skull session or a hundred thousand rabid fans shouting your name whenever you're doing the right thing. And he has that on tap whenever he wants. That type of stuff is a lot easier to get used to than the losing. So, in summation, I wish him the best of luck. Same thing I did when he left Ohio State and everywhere else because he said he wanted to focus on his life and on his health, and we all know that means more than football. But now that he's back in it, I wish him the best possible mental health going forward, especially if he chooses to keep coaching that team. Well, that's all we got for today. Don't forget to like us on the iTunes and everywhere else that you get your podcasts. Subscribe, comment, all the good things. And with that, we will see you tomorrow. Have a good one.